you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and TV Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray, the project manager and filmmaker, and I'm chatting with WIFT chair Dr. Susan Liddy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Women in Film and TV webinar. Um, I'm before we I kick in and introduce a very special and well-known guest in these circles. Um, I just wanted to do some really quick housekeeping. Um, just to let everybody know, we have a webinar next Wednesday on um, fundraising for your film. So if anyone is interested in maybe putting together some finance for their first short, it's definitely one to listen in because um, we have an expert in from Indiegogo. It's on six o'clock on Wednesday. Um, we are also um, very delighted to announce that we will be running our showcase again. Or we'll have a call out. The deadline will be the 1st of September. Keep an eye on your inbox um, for anything uh, for the for the date and information. We'll have really good prizes as well. So watch that space. And if you do have your short films, um, keep them in mind for the 1st of September because it's it's definitely worth it. Um, uh, just a reminder as well, um, if you haven't, make sure you renew your membership. Um, that's how we can keep going with all of our events and support. Um, and maybe if you're not eligible to join us as a member, we ask that you can buy us a coffee. So if you go to buy us a coffee forward slash slash WIFT Ireland, and that would be really appreciated because that's 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 how we keep going. And now to the main event that I'm very, very excited to um chat with uh, Susan Liddy. She's Dr. Susan Liddy. She is an esteemed academic. She teaches um, MIC and she also teaches me. She's my mentor here at, at Women in Film and TV. And it's just been an honor to work under her. And I think what people don't realize is the amount of work Susan is doing for all the members of WIFT. Um, she's answering emails at ridiculous o'clock. She's sitting down and um, filling out forms and, and organizing things like it, it, there's a certain amount of forward facing nature to this. But like Susan goes above and beyond 10 times over. So I'm very, very grateful to get to learn from her. And um, she's not only our chair at WIFT Ireland, she's on the board of Raising Films. She mans an amazing festival, um, Catalyst International Film Festival, that celebrates diversity and is just a really warm hub for people to go down to that Susan Make Sure is, is so um, inviting for everyone. So if you've got your short films, make sure to be thinking about putting them in for that as well. She is in September. Now she's the co-president, but in September she will take over as the president of Women in Film and TV International. So... um amazing work she'll have a global network of women that she will be championing and working for so um we are delighted to um have got to an announce that and it's great to go on that journey with us so i'm sure there'll be so many opportunities for our members there and not only on top of that is she has also just written a book a compiled a book of amazing essays and research um women aging and the screen industries falling off a cliff uh, we all know it's something, it's a drum we've been banging it with for so long. So Susan has really um, done the research. She's compiled so many different perspectives from different countries, from different contributors. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for that. It's great to be here and great to have a chance to chat to anyone who's interested in these issues. And I know among our members, they may be here today, they may not, but I know that this as a podcast will be available. And I know there's huge interest in our community on this topic, uh, which is very, um, you know, very close to my heart. So delighted to have a chat with you. 
the first up is, can you give us an overview of um, your book and and basically everything that's that's sort of been dredged up? Like there's there's some interesting facts in there. I suppose the overview of the book, it's about um, looking at various aspects of aging for women in relation to the screen industries. So uh, women and those who identify as such, obviously. Um, so initially, my focus was going to be women in screen production. That that was my thing. I because, you know, that's I, I've done a lot of work about that because those who are behind the screen invariably impact what is on the screen. So I was very, very interested in pursuing that. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be as much research about, you know, aging uh, behind the screen uh, uh, as there is on the screen. Uh, so I, I decided to broaden it. And essentially, I suppose the book is divided into sections. The first section is about women in screen production. That's one section. And that's my own work is in there as well. Uh, the second one is about interrogating absence. And I suppose that's looking uh, at uh, on screen in various countries across the world of what the, the issues are. Um, and the final one then is for the record, which is looking at the contribution, um, uh, you know, and sort of sometimes contributors and practitioners who've been overlooked, either overlooked uh, or those who are working currently. That's that section there. So it's kind of looking at at, at, at all of those uh, areas, Gemma. Brilliant. And in something so expansive, so it's like boiling an ocean in many ways. How do you go about um, finding the contributors and uh, the information? Yeah. That is that is a, that is a, a, a tricky one, right? Um, I suppose that, that, and I'm sure a lot of people don't know how something like this is put together. And I suppose the first thing I should say, because you were there, Gemma, when we when this t- cropped up when we were uh, when we were uh, in Cannes, uh, and I was discussing this with a group of, of people. Um, there's no an academic, there's no money in this. So I think sometimes the people think, oh, gosh, you know, I wish I could buy your book is, because there's nothing in it for me. Um, so this is about research. That's my bread and butter. That's my business. So, uh, you know, it, it isn't like writing a novel where you can draw a lot of people in and you might have a bestseller. So I suppose that's the first thing to say. So it's very much driven by passion and by wanting to find information and wanting and wanting that nailed, wanting the information to be there. In my case, um, I suppose it's very much uh, cross-cultural. That's very important to me. We can talk our heads off about how things are in Hollywood and how things are in Ireland, but actually I'm interested to know how, how are things in Italy? How are things in Spain? And that, that was very important to me uh, as well. So first thing you do is you, 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 you consider, okay, what do, I want to, what do I want to do in this book? And for me, I wanted to do a book on various aspects of um, ageing uh, for women and women's experience of ageing. So then the first thing you do is you have to approach a publisher and say, you know, would you be interested? Is this something, you know, informally that you'd be interested in? And uh, usually they'll give you a a general expression of interest, particularly if you have a track record and and they know you. Uh, I'm not saying that anybody out of the blue who could, you know, they probably wouldn't give an expression of interest in that kind of way. But if you have a track record, they would give you an expression of interest and say, look, check out what you would have lined up for us and we'll, you know, we'll put something together. So that's when the kind of hard work happens. You put out, you know, a call for chapters in this case. Um, if, if it's a conference, you put out a call for papers. And basically you're, you're targeting academics all over the world who see this and go, have I got research? Have I something to say about this? Um, and then the abstracts or the short resumes, if you like, and their, and their bibliography come in. Some of them are immediately very interesting. Others are not so interesting. Or maybe they're interesting, but just don't fit the brief, the idea that you have in your mind. Or maybe you look at it and say, 
this is an interesting idea, but this person has no background. They haven't done this before. You want to make sure that the information you're getting in the book is really solid and is going to be very interesting and useful. Um, not necessarily for our members, because I know they're not going to be sitting down with a cup of tea and a bun uh, getting into the likes of this book. But I think it's hugely important because it's part of our debate and discussion. And we don't change anything without starting. So this is my start point always. Get it in, get the information in, get the research in, get talking about it, have examples you can give to people, and then you engender an international debate, which is important. So anyway, I suppose just speeding along, you get the, you finally get the abstracts together. You say, right, this is the shape of the book. Then there are forms to fill in for the publisher. You have to go giving them chapter and verse of how you see it going why you think these particular abstracts would work, um, your background, all of this. Um, and it goes out to, the, it goes first of all to the editorial board and the publishers. It goes out to peer reviewers. So they don't know who you are. Well, they may know who you are, but you don't know who they are. And the feedback comes back and it can take, you know, a couple of months. And they finally come back and they will say, okay, we have, we have the okay and we would like you to continue. I often think actually that in some ways it's rather like the work of a producer. If you think about it, you know, the, you know, you, the, maybe, maybe a producer doesn't in all cases, of course, decide what the, 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 the topic will be, what the film will be. Uh, so that's different. And another thing that's different is I'm not dealing with big money, as I said, but certainly in terms of deciding that you want to run with something locating those who are best placed to become part of it and reviewing, you know, those things. That surely is quite similar, I would have thought, to the work that, you know, a producer does. Yeah, the, the pitching, the feedback, the yeah, like it's yeah. it's a very and and even even the fact that you're kind of like submitting pitches to the the yeah. publisher, it's all that yeah. all that kind of like difficult quote yeah. work. And and yeah. out of interest, because you're you're putting that call out. Did you get any contrarian views in the response? Did you get anyone going, well, I've done research and my research said everything is fine and women have a great life? No, 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 no. Researchers who would be, there were some, there were some disappointments, I suppose, in this for me, I have to say. Um, because when the, when the, the abstract started coming in and I, I mean, I w- obviously I was delighted that we had quite a spread, but there were areas of the world I would have liked covered that weren't covered. There were also, uh, you know, I wanted an intersectional feel to the book and, and that was missing. And I went back and I, you know, I, I was looking up researchers across the world, uh, trying to interest people, seeing was their work being um, undertaken somewhere that I, that I wasn't able to access. And uh, essentially the bottom line is, I was not able either either um, academics were oversubscribed and couldn't come in and bring those different voices in or they simply are not engaged in that kind of work at the moment. So that was a disappointment for me, I have to say, Gemma. Um, and as for uh, country, no, not so much. I think it's because, you know, this is serious work and if people are doing it, then they know what the lie of the land is. I mean, you're 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 never going to have somebody come and say, "Well, I'd like to write a chapter and say that everything is okay," because if you're a researcher, you know that isn't the case. Um, but um, so so no to that. But you know, the, you you do you you get you know yourself. You get the contrariness maybe on social media or something like that, or in an email saying, "I don't know what you're going on about," or or there was an email once from someone who said, "Really, I think talking about it makes it worse." And and by the way, by the way, I have a kind of respect. I, I kind of know um, where somebody would come from. You know, if you feel if you feel that this thing is weighing on you and that it is a real issue, 
sometimes to draw attention to it, you just feel, oh my God, you know, is this going to make things worse? Here am I trying to get work. And I think it was a, um, uh, an actress who contacted me that time, actually. Um, but mostly, I think it's been our experience here for the last number of years that to talk about something usually doesn't make it worse. It stirs up unpleasant and uncomfortable feelings, sure. But if we hadn't started talking about very fewer numbers of women than there should be, in the Irish screen industries, we certainly wouldn't have, we wouldn't be where we are now. So I think it's it's really important to speak and to share our thoughts on these matters. And do you think ageism is particularly prevalent in the screen industries? Like, do you think we suffer worse than others? I don't, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's any evidence to say that. I mean, I think ageism is widespread and I think sometimes it's there and because we buy into some aspects of it ourselves, we don't even see it. I mean, there's there's been a lot of work done. The World Health Organization has talked about it being so deeply ingrained in society that that it's social. It's more socially acceptable to be ageist than um, than maybe to uh, to articulate other forms of bias. And you know, we often if people. You know, and this is the conspiracy, but, you know, we all engage in the kind of banter. Oh, I'm having a senior moment. Oh, you know, the grey, you know, the grey tsunami or, you know, the problem of ageism, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, those um, those ads even to encourage you to to look in on your neighbour. I have to say I've got a problem with they're always the visuals of the gnarled hands and the kind of piteous uh, uh, person uh, and, and I don't find those kinds of things helpful but I think it all just uh, feeds into the idea that you know we we, we do live in an age of society and um, uh, you know there was age action to this report recently where they looked at 60 international studies and you know people who are working employees you know they're less likely to hire older applicants and if they are there, those applicants, those workers are less likely to be offered further training, career advancement and so on. So I think, you know, it's something that's in the wider culture and something we probably all need to be uh, conscious of. So, no, I don't think it's in the screen industries specifically. However, we all know the importance of media in all our lives and particularly the screen industries that's where we relax that's where we let our imagination roam we're going into all these stories and if ageism is widespread in representations for instance the worry is that it can influence our own perceptions the way we interact with other people the way we see ourselves and i think importantly the way we imagine getting older because you know that's important. How we how we look ahead and how we can imagine our lives as they progress. And of course, one thing is for sure: it doesn't matter what age anybody is listening today. Our lives are going to progress. They are going to evolve. And what might seem not nothing to do with you today, this conversation might seem irrelevant, but it won't be because actually, when you know, it's it's been written somewhere that you know. It's, it's a way in a way to, not to be interested or to be ageist will say it's actually discriminating against your future self because you are going to be that person, even though it's very hard, maybe in your 30s to look ahead and see that being the case. Um, it is, you know, it is the case. But you, I, you even feel it as well. You're, you're not the cool young thing anymore. Like when you're in your twenties and you get a bit of success, they're like, oh, the Gen Z, you know, like they know the thing. It's, it's as a millennial, you're kind of like that you're you're not you're kind of like you've been around in the scene there's nothing interesting about you but you can kind of wonder as well 
like what's going to happen but i think also that that sense of community that understanding that that scope really sheds a light on and that's why this book is so good for like how important the conversations are to be had um so one of the things you discuss is the common disregard of older women, of gendered ageism, age bias, ageist stereotyping, and the impact this has on both workplaces and the cultural community. So that touches on what you had just said yeah. about yeah. um about about that impact and about how it does touch on everybody. But with specifically regards to the screen industries, what are the common manifestations? Because we you were th- that gnarled hand. Yeah, <laughs> that that is one. But I mean, it, it goes across many different forms mm. visually. And and I wonder, yeah. does that change from location to location? Well, it doesn't seem to be from what I'm reading at, at all, actually. Um, I suppose the first thing is, and you know, most people will will sort of know this, I suppose, really, you know, that because of the various bits of research that have been coming out of Hollywood principally I suppose because we'd be familiar with uh, Gina Davis uh, work for instance her institute and and also there's been some that she I think that institute spearheaded across Europe there last year so we'd be kind of aware that um, you know sexism and ageism the so-called double jeopardy you know um, that impacts on the screen as I suppose in a number of ways first of all you know female um, characters tend to be uh, younger than male counterparts uh, older women are often relegated to supporting roles, for instance. Uh, they're more likely to um, embody images of decline, uh, as the phrase uh, goes. Um, uh, they, you know, they can be the bit parts, the characters without depth. Not very often the character that is driving the narrative, if you like. Um, and we're all familiar, as I said, with the, the apart from the Naraltans. I mean, I suppose the obvious one that comes up all over is the speed with which female character women forget about the characters women from the 40, from the 40s i was going to say on but actually uh, in reading back through some of the work that was written um in, in germany for instance the work that has emerged there can see that fade starting into the 30s just the beginnings of it you know what i mean that you that you're not um that you're that you're playing the bit part and as time goes on the granny role seems to be um the common one, really. And you can be any kind of granny. You know, you can be a funky granny or you can be the, the granny in the background or the... And we've all... Just to be clear, like, I am a grandmother myself. I have, I have nothing whatsoever against grandmothers. And we've seen how wonderfully those characters... Uh, Town. Do you remember Jean Smart, we'll say, and, and she was, we'll say, the mother of, you know, the Kate Winslet character and was a grandmother in there as well. That was a fascinating depiction. You know, that was not the kind of thing we're talking about. But what we're talking about really is just this kind of cliched role that isn't developed and that seemingly all women uh, are ushered towards uh, in their acting careers or, or many of them. And the variety that seems to be available for male actors is just much greater, I suppose, is the bottom line, really, you know. Um so uh, those are the problems. I mean, until I mean, I'm thinking of exceptions even as I'm speaking, because thankfully there are exceptions emerging. But, you know, like to have a, a woman in her 40s plus, certainly if you go out into the 50s beyond in sort of a romantic sexual relationship. And anyway, that was not done. That was taboo. It's still not commonplace, but. You know, we're having we're 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 sort of seeing um we're seeing the beginnings of change there. I suppose the I suppose the problem with all of that is 
when you look at when you stand back and look at all the research worldwide, you realize that the changes that are coming through are still very small. But nonetheless, they are coming through. And I mean, that's what we would aspire to. Uh, and, and somebody like Jean Smart, for instance, is just a wonderful actress. And uh, anything she shows up in tends to be um you know something that I'd be interested in seeing. I'm sure, and and I'm sure that that our you know our listeners and our members have their own favorites. You know, I mean, uh, because we we want to go where the hope is, shall we say? You know, um, so behind that's, the camera, uh, you know, a lot of work has to be done behind the camera, though. You know, as well. That yeah, that's that's kind of what I wanted to go to next. Where you know, like I mean, you've discussed that the difficulties um, that women face in making their first feature, their second feature, how there's so much more has to go into it, not being allowed to fail. Um, how much of that kind of plays into delaying careers so that ageism oh, does yeah. kick in? Then, yeah, it is. I mean, I think there there are real issues here for uh, for women. First of all, you've still got a situation where it is not a gender a new a equal industry. That's the first thing. So we still have this problem here. Now you add to that. Um, and this came up actually in the UK research, um, you know, you add to that not only child rearing, but also maybe taking care of parents, taking care of elderly relatives. So all of those things have a delaying factor for women and they Im- impede progress in many in many cases. Now, if you're adding ageism into the mix there as well, um, you can see that it's it's a real it's a real problem. So on the one hand, you have all the stories that are not being told which, you know, which is an important thing, I think, very important thing. And then you also have the idea that um, you can, you see, the the problem with this is that it's a very hard thing to actually prove. You know, it, like Irish practitioners I've spoken to have kind of said, you kind of know when they're not ringing you. Do you know what I mean? You kind of know um, when you're not getting the, the answers, the callback, because often it's it's implicit. It's not always explicit. Do you know what I mean? So, of course, what happens uh, is that practitioners devise strategies, really, that they shouldn't really have to devise in order to negate the effects of ageing because the struggle is hard enough. Um, And in fact, what I found was there's very great similarities between work that's been done on editors in Australia and uh, and the experiences of women here, actually, around how they manage, how they survive, you know. Brilliant. Um, and like that in post, is it different? Because again, the different kind of facets of the the industry have have different cultures even surrounding them. Right. You know, like post is, yeah. is different. Did you yeah. find that in? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the Australians, as I say, looking at editors, it's funny, and the same the same is true here. Yeah, you have you have you have a variety of sort of uh, positions. So some of our people here talk about okay, uh, it's still gender is the number one thing, but ageism is a bit of a problem. But it depends where you're situated because if you've reached a certain level in your career and you are excellent at your job and you're not front facing, actually it probably doesn't matter what age you are, but you have had to reach that level. Now. The, the the Australian editors still, though, talk about perceptions of them, that when they're speaking on the phone, they, they're speaking confidently as a kind of a, you know, an established worker, and that they are conscious then that when they meet uh, whoever they're debating, you know, going to do work with or whatever, um, that there can be a bit of a take back because they're not expected to look 
the way they so in other words it's the age thing and as you say maybe they're not the hot young things as you sort of mentioned there and that can that can be problematic but but you also have I don't want to say that's all bad news because if women managed to get in like those editors many of them spoke of the innate confidence that they felt having been in the business they know their job and, and that emerged w- with Irish research as well. But unfortunately, knowing your job and being personally confident isn't always enough to get you in, particularly if there are, you know, if it's, as I say, particularly, I would say, writers, directors and on-screen talent. I, I think maybe producers also, but I think they seem to be uh, the, mo- the most kind of um, in, in the most vulnerable position um, because it is looking for the, the next new thing. And if you've been knocking around for many years trying to get something off the ground, you are not the next new thing. That's mad that, that there's a attraction to that. You you're so like even in the post world that your aesthetic means that yes. much yes. to yeah. um yeah. because you guarantee men yeah. in that same yeah. boat. No, it is, it, 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 yeah, it's quite it's it's quite surprising. I mean it, you know, and and those st- survival strategies that I mentioned really have to do with how do you best present yourself? Because clearly you can't, you know, you have to, it's, we know the way the business works and it's, you know, it's, it's about who you know, what they think of you. And a lot of it is unspoken. So it's how you present yourself becomes very important. Now, one of the things that many women do not want to do is they do not want to present themselves as a number. I completely get that. Because if you, I, I get that that it's that they want to embrace the world as them. This is me, and this is what I've done, and I've lived an interesting life, and I now want to do this and so on. They don't want someone looking and going 45, 64, 52. You, do you know what I mean? And and to kind of get over that worry about a block, um, there is that sense that maybe you don't have to advertise your age. You fudge, maybe. You, you know, you avoid it. You're evasive. Um uh, and and as well as that, that you that you that you look, I mean, whether or not to dye your hair is a big question. It is a big question uh, with those working, uh, you know, in a way, in a, in a kind of a frontline way where they're meeting people and very quick decisions are being made. Um, uh, worries about the menopause come up quite a lot. Is this going to be a big problem? Is this going to be something else that stops us? You, do you know what I mean? Because women, they seem we talked about the caring and we talked about all of that. Uh, and, and there is concern. Is this another thing? You know, for those who are looking ahead and 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 uh, haven't experienced it yet, it's grand, by the way, lads. You know, don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, but do you know what I mean? But uh, you know, I know it. It very much uh, it depends on you know the individual, and it can impact people in different ways. But it's isn't it awful though, Gemma, that all of that sort of baggage has to be carried along, as well as trying to push your career forward. You know, I spoke to one. Um, uh, and I'm, I'd be evasive because, you know, I don't use uh, any names in my research nor never divulge afterwards, by the way. Uh, that's very important, especially in a small industry. But somebody said to me, you know, I've done my best for people. I've done my own work. I've done my best for helping other people. Like what? You know, I'm not 34 anymore. Like, is that not enough? Do, do you know what I mean? And it, I, I wish that I wish that we did live in an age of society. We don't. But I, I have that sense from a lot of women that they would like to. Now, of course, there are exceptions. And there are women who say, I don't care what age I am. And to hell with it. I'm saying it and I'm doing my business. And that's grand if you could do that. But not everybody can adopt that. They just, people are different, you know. 
And that's um, to, to function in the system and to be accomplished in the system. You do yeah. have to, even if you don't agree with them in some level, go with the, the rules of the system. And, yeah. and definitely again, we would blame them, but it's such a, it puts people in such a difficult situation. So one yeah. of the things that you mentioned as well is um, we touched on female actors, but you mentioned in the book how a lot of the time they have a Sophie's choice that they fade into early retirement or accept unglamorous, eccentric, prematurely elderly roles. And you it does feel the tide is changing with that because it, it does feel like, although that is the systemic nature of probably mainstream Hollywood, but there's so much interesting work on streamers being produced, um, especially for television. There, Do you feel like it, it's changing as the audience changes? Yeah. I mean, I do. And I've talked a lot about this because I know myself because I know what I want to watch. I'm going to find those great roles. I'm going to find those women because that's what I want to see. So I'm going to seek them out. And and I do think that they're there in a way that they wouldn't have been there 20 years ago. I do think that's the case, or even maybe even 10 years ago. But I do sometimes think that it's still a drop in the ocean. You know, it's just that it's, the, the media also love to amplify those things. You know, golden age for women, you know, older women, you see the headlines, you know, um, box office gold. And really when you speak to researchers who've kind of, gone into this in, in their own uh, in their own locale in great detail it doesn't it doesn't always um, it doesn't always stack up but I think there there, there are improvements and there are changes um, uh, and, and we can all we, you know we, I'm sure we'll all I mean when I was speaking to women what did I get I mean Frances McDormand name comes up a lot you know Leslie Manville I love uh, as well personally Sarah Lancashire I just absolutely love her and probably everything she's in um so you know we all have um, and we all I mean you have got a lot of references to Sally Wainwright and the work that she's done and how important she is Amanda Coe a load of writers have spoken out to actually quite recently about you know just how important it is for women to be in there because if and this is like why why am I interested in what's behind the camera because ultimately who are going to write those great roles? Probably older women themselves. You know, I think that's in a way will cause change. Actors now, female actors who maybe uh, have had a, a very good maybe career earlier on, now they're getting older and they don't want to walk away. So I think there is, it's, it's kind of part of a movement in a way where, and it needs to be, where we're all saying, no, you know, we're not going to go away. There is an audience. I think there's an audience. And, and I'm always asking the question, is it, you know, are the streamers better? You know, are we more likely to get, you know, a variety of women of all ages on TV? What about film? And, and nobody can give me a definitive. And people seem to um, uh, seem to kind of have different views on that. Um, Elizabeth Promer in the book did work on in Germany, actually. She, she looked um, at television. She looked at you know, streamers. She looked at film and all of that and um she found the age gap was definitely there and the role cliches were certainly there but she did find that at least on german television the age gap was narrowing a little so you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to cling to that that example but if you compare it with the spanish example for instance it's really quite bad there uh, insofar as you've got women who were well known uh, early careers very successful when they started losing their perceived beauty, you know, the youthful beauty, uh, they, they've got a real problem. Whereas the w women who were never, as one actress said, you know, I was ugly, I was small, but actually I now can continue to work. So there's a there's a price then being paid for if you if you are known for your beauty, even though you were a great actress as well, 
when that beauty starts to fade, there seems to be a resistance to oh. aging with you. Isn't that awful? And and you're you're aging the right amount. So you have to look like you're aging gracefully, but not age yes. gracefully. You have to get no yes. work done, but you have to get work done. But you have to look yeah. like you've no work done and not admit that you've right. had work, even though you've clearly yeah. had work because no one I looks know. like that in their like no, in their fit. No one looks like they're yeah. 20 in their 50s. Like, yeah. So yeah. it's just yeah. it is that kind of double edged sword. And the media doesn't <laughs> seem to let go of it. Like everyone is sort of like if you look back to magazines in like the noughties even like it's not even that long ago and you would have like an actor just hanging out in the beach with their kid and you would have like them in the front cover and you'd have like a bit of cellulite circled and you know like I mean at that oh. point you know like those right. little nasty nasty magazines that yeah. are like oh this this yeah. this human being has like flesh on them Ugh. and yeah. then in a weird way there it's become much more civilized, but I think that it, it's from the same place. And I think it's probably from a really insecure place society wise, where uh, you, you'd be like, oh, how old is that? How old? Like, do, do I compare? Like, will I look like that? Oh, yeah, you know, but, yeah. but it is, it is from this, like, I don't know, like it's commodification of the aesthetics and and, and it's, you think, oh, actors must have a, a terrible thing to to put up with the whole way through. But it, but even when you're talking about that feeding back into um, how people are perceived. And actually, there was a study done that I don't actually know if it was women directors, but it was the younger a director seemed aesthetically, the more likely they were to be successful. Like it, it, it impacted that. And I, I remember being shocked at that because you think, you know, Maybe if you were older, you have a bit more gravitas. You would assume that people, but that it isn't. It doesn't feed back into the perception. But you, I. But it's just shocking. And and I think when you when you kind of say it like that, and it's laid out there, it's it's stark and it's disappointing. It but and, and maybe is is there anything surprising or a bit fun or like different culturally uh, that you noticed in 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 the book to to like. Uh, no, you know, I can't really say that there that there was anything like massively uplifting, except for those chinks of light that are coming through. Now, and if you think about it, really, you know, you know the way sometimes you don't know you're missing something until suddenly it appears before you. Like the the amount of um, enthusiasm that met with Kate Winslet playing that role in in Mary Town was massive. Um, it's kind of like people twigged, oh, we actually. You know, this is something we've missed, and and this, I know it was it was a great production and everything. I'm not saying it wasn't, and it is Kate Winslet, so I know all that. But same time, there was this, you know, it engenders a lot of debate then about, you know, why can't we see more, um, more, more, I suppose a variety of 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 women on screen, different ages, different looks. Why does everything have to be so airbrushed and clean and neat when we know lives are messy and uh, you know. Um, we we all inhabit those spaces so um so so i so i think that's wonderful and i think that um fr- actors like francis mcdermott and so on and if i take if you take jim campion as well behind the screen you know we we talk about see it be it you know and the people have to see you know young people have to see women you know directing in order to want to be a director but i think we we need to see ourselves too that you know women of all ages can continue to be excellent and to achieve when they are given a chance. And I think that's part of the huge kind of joy that surrounded Jane Campion's most recent work and her Oscar. You know, because this sense that 
you know, it, it was wonderful work and the woman is 67. How brilliant is that? No, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, of course, it shouldn't. And many, many uh, male actors are working much, much later. And good luck to them is what I say. Um, but I would love to see just more women of all ages in there. And I think it's it's it's, it's inspirational, really. And there's stories being missed, like really yeah. wonderful life experience yeah. stories that aren't that aren't being told. Um, so we have a question here from an anonymous attendee. So I would ask as well, if anyone has anything else that they'd like answered, please pop it into the Q&A box. Now they said, did anything positive come from the research or was it more fact finding? So we have really addressed that. But what are the ideas that could spark and how we tackle the issue and what can we do as an individual? Oh, mm, that's good. Yeah. OK, I think as an individual, we and I think we do this already. Let's let's not let's look at ourselves, make sure we're not actually being ageist as well. Simple to do. Do you know what I mean? Simple for us. We, we, it's inbred in us about looking at certain ways or so and so dresses very nana, doesn't she? Think of all the little phrases that you, they're still coming into my head there that, that you that you uh, do yourself. So I think we can be watchful about that. Now, we can be supportive of each other if we are in positions to consider who we hire, maybe we could maybe we could look at the full range of people who are there. Let's not always look to the new, you know, the new voice, the next big thing, because that next big thing, you know, may not be a next big thing in 10 years. You, you know, it's it's that, that's a problem that, that you identified there as well, Gemma. But I think realistically, it's kind of like years ago. What can we do about gender inequality? We can we, we all can do a certain amount. But really, at the end of the day, you know, what I think needs to be done is I think um, public funders need to look at how they have tackled gender inequality. I think they need to look at the initiatives that are in place and they are there to encourage and be as inclusive as possible and say to themselves, have we missed a trick here? Women of a certain age have met with, with a lot of resistance. Are we sort of pushing age aside? I think it needs to be in there. I think it needs to be supported I think women of a particular age and particularly in this country, you know, there's a whole swathe of women who, you know, miss the boat. Uh, and, and I know from feedback, even with research, you know, they're aware that they've, the timing has not been good for them. And I, I would love to see uh, initiatives put in place to include and encourage and support women uh, in their late 40s and beyond. And it's very hard to pick an age because I'm sure somebody would say, well, I'm only 42. I feel the same way. But you know what I mean? I think we really mustn't disregard um, uh we mustn't disregard people because of age. And I think just in passing, it, the, I said to you about Jane Campion, I think when Ruth Meehan uh, directed The Bright Side, there was great joy as well. And a lot of people were delighted to see that as I was. And I'd like that to be commonplace. You know what I mean? Not the exception. Yeah. And that's so true as well. And, and a wonderful, a wonderful film. And I think people were really glad to have seen it. And again, a lovely perspective on female rage. And I think that's part of it is is getting those authentic perceptions, because a lot of people, when they're of the younger persuasion, you know, they their life experience is quite limited. So that ability to to put themselves in a situation is as a result, more images. So there's there's yeah. limited. So there's so much being missed, like there's so much great content that they're being missed. Is there anything is there anything like that you maybe that came up in the the process of researching the book of did anyone try and implement anything was there no, any I have, I have not come across initiatives to be honest with you I have not come across them um 
I'm not saying they're not out there, but I haven't come across them. And um, uh, I don't think it's a secret, really, that WIFT, we have tried to uh, come up with a possible initiative. Uh, and, and, you know, we weren't successful in getting that through. So I, I'm thinking, well, OK, you know, if it's not going to happen as a standalone, at least... Uh, let everybody be conscious that this is another group of people. Do you know what I mean? Because we want an inclusive industry, I, I, you know, and we know that there are all sorts of groups marginalised and we and we know we want the greatest variety of stories and practitioners that we can possibly get. I'm just saying, let's not forget older women. You know what I mean? That's They, they, they may be getting lost in um, falling through the cracks, if you like, with all we're uh, trying to accomplish. Can I just, in Elizabeth Prammer's, um article she she quoted Kirsten Scott Thomas who I, I personally love as as an actress uh, and I just think her quote is interesting um she says uh, her worry is that the loss of stories particularly for women over 50 um and she says middle-aged women also have lives and they fall in love it's no coincidence that so many marriages end at this particular time Yet women in their 30s suddenly disappear from the screen and only reappear as grandmothers. So I think that's interesting. And I, I always think it's interesting when you hear um, actresses themselves talk about the, the impact of it, because, of course, it's, um, it's 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 just cutting off their talent, really, isn't it, in, in a way? And, and as a result, you often I've come across many actresses who want to start screenwriting because they believe, well, I better write the parts because they're just not there for me. And they should be. So I, that's a lovely quote to end it on. Unless anyone has any last minute questions, speak now or forever, hold your peace. But that's brilliant, Susan. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Thank you for having me, Gemma. And thanks to all the listeners. Bye-bye. Bye. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland, join us today on wft.ie.